I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land we're broadcasting from today and the lands that you're listening to us from. I pay my respects to Elders past and present. I take a moment to acknowledge traditional custodians' connection to and care for country that here extends back some 60,000 or so years and continues today. I also acknowledge any First Peoples listening to this episode. Welcome to Series 2, Episode 4 of An Equine Conversation, a podcast brought to you by Abby's Run Equestrian. I'm your host, Sarah Nichols. I have been teaching people about horse management, handling and riding for over 27 years through riding schools, pony clubs, working equitation clubs, adult riding clubs and privately. And I'm the founder and owner of Abby's Run Equestrian. Through an equine conversation, we aim to help you improve your knowledge by giving you access to top quality information that will help you be the best horse caregiver you can be so that you can give horses in your care the best life possible. An equine conversation is designed to be thought-provoking and may bring you some ideas, approaches or information that you haven't come across previously. Much like property shopping, horse shopping can be an emotional roller coaster of an experience. Then, when you finally land on which equine and have your new partner home, things may not go, in fact, often they don't go quite as you imagined that they would. In my almost three decades of teaching people with horses, there are some things I have been asked about many, many times. And questions around or support in buying a new horse has been one of these. In today's episode, I'm going to speak to the truth in buying a horse, whether that be your first, second, third or tenth horse. When you set out to purchase a horse, you may well encounter dishonest sellers. There are the horror stories of horses who have been drugged to behave for the prospective buyer's visit, or the buyer gets the horse home and finds out the seller has fibbed about the horse's life, health and or experience. But more common, I believe, is the seller who tells their version of the truth to the prospective buyer without a word of a lie. And here's the thing, your truth and the seller's truth are a good chance to be different, even if only slightly. There is nothing dishonest about this seller. They are telling you about their experience of the horse and what their truth of the horse has been. Perhaps this is indicative of the level of experience the seller has or what their focus is with their horses. Our own versions of the truth are formed through our own unique life and equine experiences, and no two of those are the same. Also influencing our version of the truth are our dreams and aspirations of what we want our equine future to look like. So the combination of your unique life and equine experiences plus your dreams and aspirations, are never going to be an exact match for anyone else's. A seller may tell you the horse does X, Y, Z for them and it's super calm and quiet. But how did they handle the horse? How did they ride? I'll wager it isn't exactly how you handle and ride. Even if your style is similar, you do not have the same shape, body or the same mind as the owner does. Perhaps you are taller, shorter, wider, narrower, collapse slightly to the right, etc. And so your experience of handling and riding the horse is different. 
it may not be different on that very first ride where you go to trial the horse. It's so used to its usual rider that it just goes with the flow for short bursts of unusual rider activity. Perhaps when you get at home, however, the horse starts to play up, which can be an indicator that the horse is confused due to a change in its training and it no longer being sure what is required of it, which is not to say that your training isn't good. As the new owner, you're wondering where your calm and quiet new horse has gone, and your horse is wondering where its clear and regular signals and its regular equipment have gone. No one has been dishonest. This is just a different truth. We touched on this in episode two, season two, in fact, of an equine conversation also as to why we don't take horses for training, because our truth about them would be different to the owner's. Also super influential on what the truth about a particular horse is are the conditions under which it's kept and managed. This is so incredibly impactful on how a horse will behave and short of keeping the horse in the exact same location as that which you buy it from, the behaviour of the horse is likely to change once you bring it home. We can think of the most basic things that impact the horse here, where the water it drinks is coming from and what the pasture is like or if there's any pasture available. Water can taste incredibly different in different places. At least it does here in Victoria, Australia, where we live. The difference between water in different towns and between tank water and town water can be enormous. Each property, and sometimes even each paddock, has its own microclimate and soil quality. That means the pasture growing there can be different, even if the properties are a few kilometres away. My horse, Fernando, has been very influenced by these basic factors in the time I've had him. Before moving to our property seven and a half years ago, we adjusted, boarded, kept him at livery at six different locations. At two of these locations, including the first place I kept him after purchase, he was quite bonkers. And what I mean by bonkers is that he struck me as a kid who'd had too much sugar. At the first property, I remember he would spend excessive time running around his paddock, as reported to me by the property owners and other registies. At the second property that I referred to, we were at that property some years after the first with other adjustment places in between. Fernando became dangerous to even lead, where leading him could at any time be punctuated with rearing or bucking, particularly while going through gates and under saddle we had rearing and bolting. This is in contrast to other properties I'd kept him where I'd had no issue with taking him out trail riding along the quiet roads. I'm sure that the people who knew Fernando in these different environments would not have shared the same truth about him. At the second property I mentioned above, in the two years that I kept horses there, if I recall correctly, there were another two or three agistes who had horses on the property already and then they shopped for new horses. These people all did great due diligence and went to see and ride the horses multiple times before making the choice to buy and bring them to their new home. Each of the humans reported the horses were just lovely, fit their requirements, and they felt safe with them. The horses then got to their new home, this property we adjusted at, and their behaviour changed very quickly. They went from the humans feeling safe with them to the humans feeling incredibly unsafe due to behaviours the horses exhibited. This resulted in one horse being returned to the cellar, one of the humans moving the horse to another property where the horse did return to its calmer state, 
And one of those horses actually came to live with us and retire from ridden life when we moved here. And a postscript on this, our truth about this horse is very different to what his truth was before he came here too. Our best theory about what was going on at these two properties was that the soil and grass was quite rich. Both these properties were in the same area and that soil and grass was better suited to cattle than to horses. There was a lot of rye and clover in the pasture. And while some horses tolerated that okay, for example, Tolly and Abby didn't seem so impacted, Fernando definitely was. These stories serve to highlight just how the truth about a horse can change depending on its environment. And this is before we go into management changes that can be impactful. If you go back and listen to Series 1, Episode 3 of An Equine Conversation on getting your horsey ducks in a row, we talk about some of the management changes and how long it can take to bed down what a horse needs in a particular environment at a particular stage in its life and with particular requirements on the horse. In the context of what we're talking about today, certainly when you buy a horse and take it home, its management routine will be changing and that can really impact your perception of the truth about this horse too. Several years ago, a friend recounted an experience that she had when shopping for her next companion. It wasn't until she asked to look in the horse's mouth on her initial visit that the seller disclosed the horse, who was around eight years old, had no front teeth. It possibly hadn't occurred to the seller that this was important information for a buyer to know. To the seller, the truth was that right now in the horse's life and for their circumstances with that horse, the lack of front teeth wasn't an issue. To my friend who was horse shopping, she could see problems down the track with her current horsekeeping situation and being able to meet this horse's nutritional needs as it aged. Again, there was no dishonesty, just a different experience of the truth. This variation in truth means that you as a buyer need to ask the seller the questions you want to know the answers to. And while you absolutely listen to their answers, you need to make your own observations, listen to the horse first and foremost, and find your own truth with that horse. Be conscious that there is every chance that when you take the horse home, its behaviour will change and your truth about that horse may well change from what the buyer has told you and you saw initially. It's like every new relationship that evolves over time as you get to know one another. When a seller uses any label to describe the equine they're selling, you need to, as best you can, ask them to explain what they mean by the label. What does that actually look like to them? Think of terms we see commonly used in horse ads like bomb-proof or needs-experienced rider. What do these labels actually mean to the seller? We need to see if their definition is the same as ours. Needs-experienced rider. Does that mean that the horse is young, inexperienced, forward-moving, bucks, rears, bolts, is a head shaker, is unbalanced, and so on? It could mean so many things, right? Coming up in episode eight of this season, my friend Julia Inglis and I get together to talk about some of the challenges with language particularly labels in the horse world. So be sure to check that episode out. Sometimes you find a seller who shares enough of your truth and the change in location for the horse allows it to continue to behave similarly to the seller's experience of it. 
This is the case with our two-year-old pure Morgan, Wren. But this was no fluke. I spent several years stalking the breeder online and watching what she was producing and looking at her ethos before I approached her with interest in what she may have available. We spent quite some time going back and forth getting more familiar with one another. Because the breeder was interstate, about nine and a half hours drive away, I had a very experienced and trusted equine friend that lived in that area visit the breeder for me to see the young horses that were available. When this friend reported back, telling me nothing that the breeder hadn't already expressed, I knew it was worth the drive to meet them for myself. When I went interstate to visit, I went to interact with the breeder and the horses twice over a few days to try and get the best feel possible for what my truth was of each of these young horses. And the breeder and I got along really well. Fast forward to Ren arriving with us 18 months later. He actually wasn't the initial youngster I had selected, but you know, things don't always go to plan. I didn't know Ren so well from my visit, which meant that Ben and I had to really get to know him. And over time, the longer he has spent with us, we have seen more and more of what the breeder had told me about him to be true. Even just this morning, we saw more of what the breeder had described. So we have a shared truth about him, which is wonderful. But this is the exception to the normal experience, and I invested quite a bit of time in looking to have that experience of that shared truth. A shout out here and a big thanks to you, my now good friend Eva at Wildu Mandawi Morgans. So what do you do with this information now? Well, when you're horse shopping, a good starting point is to meet the horse more than once if you can. This will help you to start to build more of your truth about the horse and help determine if it's a truth you want to build on in the future. Remember that your truth is not necessarily the next person's. Listen to what the vendor is telling you, but also listen to the horse and be prepared that you will have to create your own truth about the horse. If the seller describes the horse using labels, ask them some more questions around what these labels actually look like in practice, like with the bomb-proof example I mentioned earlier. Go back and listen to Season 1, Episode 3 on getting your horsey ducks in a row and know that forming your new truth about this new partner will take time and that is perfectly normal. And then, happy horse shopping, keeping your truth firmly at the centre of your search. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, that's awesome. Make sure to subscribe now wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. Then please rate and review an equine conversation. Downloading, rating and reviewing actually helps other people to find our podcast due to the really strange podcast algorithms and search terms. Be sure to let your friends know about an equine conversation too. Show notes from this episode are available online. Sign up to our mailing list at www.abbeyesrunequestrian.com.au to be the first to hear about upcoming activities and programs on offer, including being the first to hear about the launch of our upcoming new Young and Green Horse program and how to get on board with that. You can also find us at Abby's Run Equestrian on Facebook. In next week's episode, I'm chatting with two guests, researcher and cultural anthropologist Dr. Kira Lee Thompson and Dr. Catherine Ainsworth, 
the CEO of Pony Club Australia. I invited Kira Lee and Catherine to join me on an equine conversation to chat about some fantastic and timely research they produced late last year on the impact of periods on young women's participation in Pony Club activities. This research has some really profound findings on just what the impacts are and on some of the ways that we can make participation more inclusive for women. And it feels so weird to say that, given that in my experience, the predominant cohort of people participating in the equine space are women, yet there have been some really decent barriers to us all getting involved, barriers that many people like me have previously accepted as normal and are now stopping and starting to question. I hope that you're able to join us for next week's episode and that it resonates with you and you feel empowered to do some advocacy in your own spaces too. Our intro song is Ventura by Morgan Taylor via Soundstripe. Thank you to Matthew Bliss for podcast production and consultation. If you'd like him to help with your podcast, get in touch by email at info at blissery.fm. Big scratches to your ponies from the team here at Abbey's Run Equestrian and we'll catch you next week with Series 2, Episode 5 of An Equine Conversation. Bye!